following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me stand, I am tired, I am weak, I am Precious Lord, and lead me
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. The glory, the glory of Jesus is that he loves us. He died on that cross for us. The word says in John, the third chapter, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so even must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. We all have heard, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I sang that song as a little child. I'm sure many of you did too. What was not taught when I was a little child was how God felt about my sin. Without an understanding of how God feels about our sin, we will essentially have no need of a real Savior. Savior is one who saves. But if we're not in imminent threat of death, we don't need to be saved. We can live like we live. And we can have the wonderful comfort of knowing that Jesus loves us and everything is going to be fine. Everything is not going to be fine. In Romans, the first chapter, verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. He's saying literally, they all knew God. But because they didn't feel a need for God, they stopped thanking him. He was an add-on. He was not necessary. And then they became vain or foolish in their imaginations, thinking that they themselves had everything under control. Do you feel today that you can live your life and go about your business and then you can just add a little Jesus to an already full life? Then you don't understand yet the very dangerous position every son and daughter of Adam is in today. It says their foolish heart was darkened, meaning the light was removed from them. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. See, there's a process going on here of self-sufficiency beginning to rule the heart. 
so that I begin to think that my sustenance comes from my paycheck. My life comes from the doctor, from my medication. My enjoyment comes from the NASCAR races or the professional sports. And we think to ourselves, it's not right or wrong. It's, it's just a choice I make. It's something I do. So we can go to the club and dance and drink and have social interaction. Nothing wrong. They change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man. In other words, they began to make God look like themselves. And they began to think that God was like them. In verse 24, Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own heart to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. In other words, he began to give them over to their sin, to their sexual lust, to their lust for money, to their lust for pleasure. He stopped talking to them he stopped moving upon their hearts. Those who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. In other words, they began to think that their toys were what gave them life. Their boat, their car, their motorcycle, their RV, their sport craft, their bike their kayak. They began to think that their vacations, their cruises, these were the things that that blessed them. And they were so fortunate to have all this wonderful stuff. And so they changed the truth of God into a lie. Have you done that? Now please, I'm talking about people in this congregation I'm talking about you have you created a lie that where you get your sustenance is your job Jesus said seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you maybe through a job but still from the hand of Jesus not from the boss For this God, God gave them up unto vile affections, and even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature, and likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the women burned in their lust one toward another. They're now saying that children as young as three years of age are doubting their gender. Mommy, am I a boy instead of a girl? Mommy, am I a girl instead of a boy? God is giving this nation over to transgenderism and to homosexuality and to lesbianism as a sign of his judgment on our culture. So I don't rail against homosexuality. It's simply a sin like other sins. But it is the signal sin that says that God has now handed the nation to wickedness 
and his judgment is beginning to be poured out upon it. His wrath is beginning to be demonstrated in our young people. Verse 28, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do they do the same, but they have pleasure in them that do them. So God is literally, in verse 18, says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. In other words, Jesus is the truth. You can hold Jesus in unrighteousness, and the wrath of God will be upon you. You can call yourself a Christian, and the wrath of God will still remain on your life. He loves you. His love was outpoured at Calvary. But you will have no sense of your need of this Savior if you think you are safe in your sin. You are not safe in your sin. Let me tell you very plainly, you are not safe in your sin. Listen to Revelation 14, verse 10. The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up for ever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image. That is the new world order. And whoever receiveth the mark of his name. Now please, don't mistake what I said yesterday on the wrath of God. Don't mistake that as saying that God is not love. He is defined as love. So I would ask you today, how does God feel about your sin? What does the Bible say? Until you can begin to comprehend the wrath of God against all sin and sinners, you will not understand your need for a Savior. And so the Laodicea church, the message was, you are blind and naked and miserable. And you don't know it. Why didn't they know it? They didn't know it because they didn't know the wrath of God that was against them, and so they did not run to Jesus. So let's look at a few passages of Scripture. 
How does the Bible identify sinners? Isaiah chapter 1 verse 2, I have nourished and brought up children and they have rebelled against me. Isaiah one twenty three, rebellious and companions of thieves. Everyone loveth gifts and followeth after rewards. They judge not the fatherless, neither doth the cause of the widow come unto them. Isaiah 2, 6, soothsayers please themselves and the children of strangers. Isaiah 2, 7, and 8, their land is full of silver, gold, treasures, horses, chariots, and idols. They worship the work of their own hands. This is how the Bible identifies who is a sinner. Their tongue and their doings are against the Lord to provoke the eyes of his glory. Isaiah 2, 8. They declare their sin as Sodom. They hide it not. Isaiah 2.9 You can find so many passages of Scripture that begin to describe what a sinner is, what he's like, how he acts. And yet, in chapter 3 of 1 John, it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew not him. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. You know, if we look, let me just turn to it quickly. If we look in the book of Galatians, I want to open this for you. The Acts of Sinful Nature, chapter 5. This is how the Bible identifies who a sinner is. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, literally meaning taking perhaps even a good thing to an extreme and making it your God. Idolatry. What is idolatry? Idolatry is putting something ahead of God. Witchcraft. Hatred. Discord. Jealousy. Fits of rage. Selfish ambition. Dissensions. Let me stop and just talk about that for a moment. There was a time in my life when if I had a disagreement with my wife, I'd just walk away and say, I'm out of here. We'll talk later. There was no solving the dissension. And some of you would just, like I did, walk away. I don't do that anymore. dissensions and factions end up hurting 
the life of a Christian. They are a sign that the wrath of God is upon that person's life. And then envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So the wrath of God is being stored up. It is being stored up like a dam holding back a flood of water. But the dam is filling, and it will finally begin to overflow, and then the dam will burst, and everything will be destroyed in the path. That water is like the wrath of God being built up in your life. How do you know when your cup is full? Well, you won't know. You will just simply suddenly be swept away. You won't expect it. You'll just be swept away. And you will face the wrath of God. You will face the final judgment. I shared with you yesterday some from a sinner's the sinner's hand the sinner in the hands of an angry god by Jonathan Edwards we need to understand Luke 12:4 and 5 this is one of the passages of scripture that Jonathan Edwards used it's one of the most frightening passages in all of the new testament He says, And I say unto you, my friend, this is Jesus speaking, Be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. the fierceness of his wrath. You are going to be exposed to that if you are walking in sin. Isaiah fifty nine eighteen says, According to their deeds, accordingly he will repay fury to his adversaries. Isaiah sixty six fifteen. For behold, the Lord will come with fire and with chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. And these passages are all through the scriptures. Revelation 19.15 We read of the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. These These are terrible words. If you'd only said the wrath of God, that would that would be dreadful. But he also said the fierceness, the fury, the anger of God, the fierceness of Jehovah. How do we even begin to conceive such an expression of rage? God is angry with sin. God hates sin. God hated sin because it It took his precious creation, his future wife, 
Adam and Eve. It took them out of the Garden of Eden. They were cast out of their home. They were put under curses. And now only in the blood of Jesus are those curses removed from a man or woman's life. This is the wrath of Almighty God. And there will be great manifestations of his almighty power and the fierceness of his wrath. He is angry. It is not a secret. If you are still walking in sin, you are going to die if you do not quickly avail yourself of a Savior. Not the cultural Jesus. Not the sweet cotton candy Jesus. Not the make-believe or the rabbit foot Jesus that we go to for good luck. Our life is in danger. Our very life is threatened. If you are here now listening to this broadcast and you remain unregenerate, a sinner, walking in wickedness, God will finally execute the fierceness of his anger upon your life and he will have no pity upon you. Your soul will be crushed and sink down forever. He will have no compassion upon you. He will not forbear the execution of his wrath upon you. Please, do you understand this? You cannot be a lukewarm Christian and expect that you're going to enter into the kingdom of God. He said, I will spew you out of my mouth. I will spit you out. I will vomit you from me. You make me sick to my stomach. I don't want to make God sick to his stomach. Are you willfully walking in known sin? Are you gambling? Are you spending the Lord's money on lottery tickets? Are you spending the Lord's money on alcohol and tobacco? Are you spending the Lord's money for your own selfish, fleshly pleasures? Really? And you call yourself a Christian? Are you fornicating? Are you with someone, you're living with someone, and you're not married to them? Have you a child out of wedlock? Are you continuing to walk in your, in your ways, in your sin? Are you planning on having an abortion and murdering a baby? Really? And you call yourself a Christian? No Christian will have an abortion, I can tell you right now. It's murder. And God considers the baby as very precious to him. Are you cheating at work? Are you stealing pencils and pens and other things from work and you take it home and you justify yourself by saying oh 
you know, it's okay because they don't pay me like they should pay me. And so I need a few benefits up front. So you can slip those pencils, you can slip those office supplies into your bag and go home and now you have them at home and you feel like, ah, I deserve this. Really? Consider right now, right now, are you still a sinner before God and have you made excuses and have you said, the blood of Jesus is not powerful enough to release me and set me free, then you are making excuses for your wickedness, and those excuses will not stand up before the holy judge of the universe. If you're saying to yourself, when I die, I'll be changed, you are lying to yourself. You will not be changed. You will be brought into the judgment bar of God, and there you will be judged. On that day, he will have no regard for your welfare. He will not be careful with you at all. He will cause you to suffer to the exact standard of strict justice by the law. Ezekiel 8.18 Therefore will I also deal in fury. Mine eye shall not spare, neither will I have pity. And though they cry in mine ears with a loud voice, yet I will not hear them. This is so serious. I couldn't sleep this morning. I was under such heavy conviction that I have treated Jesus much too casually in my life. Unbelief will sometimes rise up in my heart and I'll say, how can I even survive? How can the work of God go forward on the radio? Sometimes such fear comes into my heart as it did this morning, and I began to pray. And quickly the Lord reminded me, he said, you made a covenant with me that you would receive from my hand only that which I would give you. Yes, I did, I do. I will only accept what you give me, Jesus, but I need you, I need a Savior. I am, I am in such desperate need of a Savior in my life. I'm not walking in any known sin before God. I've been washed and made clean. But that doesn't mean that I need less of Jesus. That means I need more of Jesus. I need all of Jesus. I tell you honestly, I love Jesus with all my heart. He has carried me so faithfully through the years. He has provided this opportunity to come and speak with you. He is such a wonderful lover of my heart. But I'd be honest with you. As I look carefully, as I look carefully, at the wrath of God, my need for Jesus only increases.
in the final judgment we are judged and sent to heaven or hell based on what we have done in this body. Oh, pastor, I thought it was by faith. Oh, it is by faith. It's all by faith. But it is not being declared righteous. It's being made righteous. It's being righteous in reality by the power of the blood of Jesus. And so we will be judged. Did we allow the blood of Jesus Christ to change us and cause us to live wholly unto him? Or did we compromise and try to walk in the world and in Jesus? As one pastor said to me, You know, don't be so serious, Ray. We've got to learn how to hang with the world and how to hang with Jesus. Wrong. I don't want to hang with the world. I want to be only with Jesus. So if you look at at John 5, 28, 29 marvel not at this for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth they that have done good under the resurrection of life and they that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation the words of jesus or if you look at Isaiah 3, verses 9 through 11, Woe unto that soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. Say ye to the righteous, it shall be well with him, for they shall eat the fruit of their doing. Woe unto the wicked, it shall be ill with him, for the reward of his hands shall be given him. Or let me read for you Revelation 20, verses 12 through 15. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. The books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the book according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which was in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire this is the second death and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire second corinthians 5:10 for we must all appear before the judgment seat of christ that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Matthew sixteen twenty seven. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. In other words, every one of us are going to have to give account for ourselves. And if we've continued to walk in disobedience before God, saying, oh, I, it's just too hard. I can't overcome it. I'm sorry. I've, I've tried my best. Well, your best will never get it done. The only way it will get done is for you to surrender totally, fully, and completely to Jesus Christ.
Revelation 21.8, the fearful, the unbelieving, the murders, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. Nowhere does the scripture suggest that a man who continues to walk in his sin will be able to escape the lake of fire. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor the effeminate, that is, homosexual, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor the covetousness, nor the drunkard, nor the revelers, the extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. Ephesians 5, 3-7 But fornication and all uncleanness, let it not once be named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. That was Ephesians 5, 3-7. to To understand... God's just response to sin is that he executes judgment. If you are walking in known sin today before the Almighty God, then God will judge you. And he will execute that judgment with wrath and fury. I don't know. Is this frightening to you? Don't don't sit back and say, Oh, I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. While you continue to be in rebellion against the Most High. This is talking about a total sellout to Jesus Christ. This is going all in. May I be very straight with you. I have no other choice but then to serve and obey Jesus Christ because any other choice will result in eternal death. I am all in for Jesus. I'm not going to play with the world. I'm not going to play with darkness. I'm not going to be casual. I'm not going to be laid back. I am all in for Jesus. And so I read the word. I fast. I pray. I search after him with all my heart. So please... Know that God stands ready right now to have pity on you. Today is the day of mercy. 
you may cry out now over your sin with great encouragement of attaining mercy and deliverance by the blood of Jesus. It is now time to cry out to God before the judgment when you will be utterly lost and thrown away by God and he will not have any concern for your welfare then. It will be too late. You now have the opportunity to turn to Jesus. Because in Isaiah 63, 3, he says, Which are the words of the great God? I will tread them in my anger. I will trample them in my fury. And their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments. And I will stain all my raiment. Can you even begin to understand what he just said? If you cry to God to pity you, he will be so far from pitying you. He will have no regard for you. He will crush you under his feet without mercy. He'll crush out your blood and make it fly. You will die. As you know, the National Prayer Chapel is about revival. What is revival? Revival is being brought back to life. Revival is being brought back to Jesus Christ and totally selling out to him and turning aside from all wickedness and having a great tear in your heart about the judgment of God and repenting and being serious with him and having a great upwelling in your heart of honest, sincere emotion in confessing all your sin to Jesus and then getting right with him and letting him purify you, cleanse you, restore you. That's revival. Revival is not something that happens out there to the ungodly. It must start in the house of the Lord. Judgment begins in the house of God. The passage of scripture that I love so dearly Hebrews, the third chapter, verse 7. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert where your fathers tested and tried me for 40 years. They saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray. They have not known my way, so I declared on oath in my anger they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first. Verse 17. With whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? And whom did God swear they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. 
Do you believe that God is sorely angry at any sin you are walking in in your life? And if you do not quickly repent of that sin, you are in danger of being cast aside and totally rejected by God. You have no time to spare. Now is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. God is angry with you if you're walking in sin. Don't romanticize this. You romanticize it and you risk your very salvation. Turn now from your sin. I know by the Spirit that many of you who are listening right now have secret sins. You worry. That's a sin. You complain. That's a sin. You lust after stuff. That's a sin. You eagerly sit down and feast on everything of darkness on the television or the internet. That is sin. You eagerly enter into the video game, a violent, wicked video game. That is sin. You love violence. That is sin. God hates that. And as long as you walk in these things, God hates you. And his judgment is upon you. Now the provision is there for you to turn. Today if you hear his voice, Hebrews 4, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Make every effort to enter into his rest today. Confess your sin now. Please, how long have you been playing with that sin? How long have you been filled with lust? How long have you been cursing and swearing? How long have you been wicked before an almighty and righteous God? And how many times has God spoken to you about that? And you even perhaps went before him in tears and said, Oh God, please forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. But you were not willing to say, Oh God, remove this from me. I renounce it in the name of Jesus and I'll stand by faith for the full deliverance. No, no, you didn't go there. One man said to me, Pastor, you can pray for me that I'll leave my tobacco, please. So I prayed for him. Next week I saw him and I said, Have you left your cigarettes yet? Oh, no, Pastor, I haven't. Would you pray for me again? I said, no, I won't pray that prayer again for you, ever. Because I just discovered something. You didn't leave your tobacco because you love your sin. So let me pray another prayer for you. And I prayed, oh God, will you cause this brother to hate his sin? Will you convict him? Will you show him that it will take him to hell? When I stopped praying, he said, Pastor, I wouldn't have asked you to pray for me if I'd known you were going to pray that. Because I love my, I love my cigarettes. They comfort my heart. He came back the next week. He said to me, 
Pastor, you shouldn't have prayed that prayer. Because I couldn't smoke all week. You've ruined it for me. I said, yes, I know. So I said, now, what sin are you going to pick up in its place? Because you love sin. He was a bit offended. He came back the next week and he said, Pastor, pornography has taken over my life. And I can't beat it. I understand. As long as we love our sin, there is no hope for us. Because we can be moved out of one sin and we'll run to another. Because we love the world, the flesh, and the devil. Now please, I've been very straight. I pray I've not offended you. I pray instead of offending you, you begin to see the reality of God's wrath and anger that is against you if you are still walking in wickedness. Now, I'm not talking about immaturity. I'm talking about deliberate rebellion against God. He's spoken to you time after time, and you choose to just be depressed and discouraged and go on with your sin. God is angry with you. And you better get to a Savior quickly before you die. Now we're almost out of time today. May I please, may I please pray with you? Lord, I am asking now for the deliverance of each brother and each sister that they would begin to search the scriptures to see if what I have said today is true, that you hate sin and you will judge the sinner and you will cast them into the fire of hell. Lord, would you convict each person and convert them now in the name of Jesus? Lord, they could leave their sin right now if they chose to, as I'm praying for them, that they would say in their heart, I'm done with it, Pastor, you're right. Would you do that in their heart right now? Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Now, if you'd like to meet and pray with a group of people who know what it's like to leave their sin, they know what it's like to suffer under their sin and under the judgment of God. But now they're clean. If you'd like to meet with a group of people like that, then please come to the National Prayer Chapel this Sunday at 12 noon. We will be praying the scriptures. It is such an exciting way of walking with Jesus to pray the scriptures. I'm praying that next week God will open the way for me to talk with you about the New Testament church. But before we can talk about the New Testament church, you've got to be very clear. Sin must be dealt with because God is angry. The National Prayer Chapel meets at the All Saints Anglican Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. The address 148 Five one, Gideon Drive. I invite you to come if you need to get clean with God. 
or if you want to be with the people who are the ground breakers for a move of God in revival power, you're welcome to come. Now please go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Last month we had over 15,000 people visit our webpage. You're welcome to go and visit as well. You'll see there a donate button and you can help cover the cost of the August radio bill with WAVA. It's going to be a big one this month. So as the Lord moves you, give. You can also write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I pray you will turn from your sin. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of